This is the 1984 Flyer Die Podcast. That's right. So there's a few of these left before I go in a different direction and change the name of the show. When that happens, big time. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, I'm going to tell you about my next guest. See, my next guest isn't just a homie. I've known his brother, damn, 12 years now. Wow. 12 years. All heads, man. All heads. Seriously. <laughs> He and I were once part of the uh, Blue Shirt Mafia. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, I know some of you may have watched Insecure. And the homie Lawrence, you know, um, doing his uh, scandalous actions and whatnot, was uh, a part of the Blue Shirt Mafia. Guess right. We used to work for Best Buy back mm-hmm. in the day. You know what I'm saying? And don't worry about going to diss Best Buy because we ain't trying to get sued out here in these streets. Mm-hmm. But um, not only that, come to find out, we also had a lot of friends in common because when I went to Villanova, a lot of homies who were there went to Milton Hershey, and that's where he went. Milt Life. Milt Life. And it was a, a ton of Milton kids at Nova. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all were deep. It's like when a bunch of people graduated, everybody just went to Philly and just split up. Like, is it, you went to Temple or Drexel or Villanova or... Just came back to Philly just to be in Philly. Like, it seemed like when everybody graduated from there, everybody just migrated this way. Dude. So for those who may not recognize the voice as of yet, I am talking to Mr. Chris Vance. Whoop! I what say up, again, Mr. Chris Vance. What up, brother? Man, I'm living, man. I'm living. They got the parade outside. Got a little late getting here, but we getting it in. Yo, speaking of late getting here, yo, <laughs> I was... um. I got an Uber pool. I figure, okay, cool. I get to leave the house early enough. I can get downtown just in time to get in the building. Mm-hmm. You know, I can set up, have you come in. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the quick little story, right? So um, I got the Uber pool, pulled up to my crib. It was all right. People are already in the back seat. Mm-hmm. All right, it's a packed house. So we pull up to about 40th and Locust. And all of a sudden, the, the driver says back to the people, so it's close enough. He said, uh, it's a tap house. No, we're still in West Philadelphia. He says, I, I, I know, but it's the tap house. And he's with his girl in the back seat. He's like, oh, no, it's the wrong tap house. Oh, he was man. like, yo, can I, can I change it? Can I, can I change it right now and give you a different, different um, destination? He said, no, you can't. <laughs> so he and his girl had to get out the back seat. And we're driving along, me and the driver, we're just laughing our asses off. <laughs> like, aha, you know. I felt bad for his for his girl because like it was I was trying to figure out who who had the um reservations for. Was it her or is it him? Mm-hmm. Driver said it was under his name. I said, damn. Mm. That's gonna be a nice long conversation <laughs> next Uber pops up. Uh-huh. But yeah. Um so we got down here and that's fucking like St. Patrick's Day parade, man. <sighs> 
I, I, I had no idea. Me either. <laughs> like we were driving down here, and it, it was weird. Like the GPS was like sending us all kind of ways. We're like, what the hell is happening? And then it actually said on Waze, St. Patrick's Day Parade. I was like, you, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> yeah, this is not the day. Like I, I don't even be in Center City like that, no worry. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, the one time I come down to Center City, it's the fucking St. Valentine's, St. Patrick's Day Parade, mm-hmm. and everything's blocked. Fantastic. <laughs> And I had planned to take the sub down here. Yeah. And, you know, for some reason, I just decided not to. And I probably should have just took the sub down here. I listen to that first voice sometimes, man. <laughs> I should did the same thing with the trolley, but I was like, no, nah, I'm going to Uber. Hell no. Hell Today was not the no. day. <laughs> not at all. I'm like, this is disgusting, man. <laughs> because I'm sitting there, I'm like, yo, first of all, I've been in Philadelphia all my life. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that I ever knew we had a St. Patrick's Day parade. We were just... Yo, I was just talking to Katrina about that on the way down here. I was like, I had no idea the St. Patrick's Day Parade was today, nor that there was an actual St. Patrick's Day Parade. And it's funny because like nobody's like wearing like traditional green. Everybody's wearing like eagle shit. So it's like, <laughs> that's <laughs> so totally like, for you, man. Y'all just brought out <laughs> the, y'all eagle shit. It's like the leftover parade. I, I feel like somebody decided this year to have this parade just because everybody already had their green on deck. Yep. We, we just had a parade. Let's just have another one. It's, it's still cold outside. Let's just say, fuck it, have another parade. Let's like, do it. <laughs> get your Kelly green. Yeah. I mean, your other green. Just come on out here, man. Because, yo, I'll tell you this. Like, doing, like, my time in Philly, like, I know we have the Aaron Express. Mm-hmm. People get, like, get wasted week before St. Paddy's Day. Yeah. Then they have extra St. Patty's that they get wasted again mm-hmm. that following Saturday. So I was like, yeah, this was a, a definite surprise for me, man. <laughs> definite surprise. But let's get back to the proceedings mm-hmm. this, I want to say evening because that rhymes, but it's afternoon, so fuck. But um, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. So Chris Vance. Yeah. Um, back in my blogger days, I want to say around 08, 09, 2010, I first became acquainted with you via your collective, which was flight school. Yes, sir. Right? Now, how did that come together? Um, well, my man, Philly, well, my DJ, it's like my brother, my best friend, um, he came up with a mix series in 2010. And this was coming off me, like, uh, just dropping Doom City. Like, I was still, like, recording in my room and, you know, uh, mixing down things myself. You know, just trying to get in where I fit in, you know what I mean? Like, I, it wasn't super professional at the time or anything like that. And then once he dropped this mix series, he was like, yo, like, I'm, you know, like, what are you doing like musically, I'm like, I really have no idea. You know what I'm saying? I, I already started working with them on the on the engineering tip and stuff like that. So we decided to make Flight School a collective. So for a while, it was just an act. It was just me and him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince type shit. So it grew from there to like, you know, picking up people like Mook Mean, Free Mook Mean. He's getting out this year. So shout out to him. Um, LeBray, Clips, oh, I say our homies, No Headliner, Chevy and Jetty. Like, we brought a bunch of acts on just to, you know, kind of round out the wave, give people a little bit something different with each artist, you know. But um, yeah, I about to say it really came about off of Philly Will's mix series, and then it just grew from there. And then, you know, I started to get in a few places, and you know, started to elevate from there. I find it interesting that this city has a lot of power when it comes to the independent underground artists. Mm-hmm. So, what was it like for you pushing through the underground? with your own movement? Um, our thing really was like, we didn't have anybody to latch onto. You know what I'm saying? It was more so like, we wanted to be a part of this wave, but we didn't really have a way in. So we were like, let's just do it our way. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, 
we had ideas, but it was more so like, let's just throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks. And we started throwing stuff at the wall and stuff started sticking. And we never really had like a plan or a mar- or like a direction or anything like that. We just really took it day by day. Like, what do we do here? What do we do here? Oh, this just came down the pipeline. We're going to do that too. Da, 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 da. You know what I mean? We would just like navigated it ourselves. Like basically the, the mantra of flight school is learning how to fly on your own, basically. So I feel like we've done that. You know what I mean? And like our whole careers, we've done that. And, we, and when you say like 08, 09, 2010, like I'm like, wow, we've really been doing this that long? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, we formed in 2010, but I've definitely been on a scene since like 08. You know what I mean? And like the quality was like, <laughs> I was recording in my room. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like people still fucked with it. And like, I didn't really understand that, but I wasn't about to question it either. I'm like, yo, like, well, I'm gonna just keep it pushing. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get into better uh, audio situations. Like try to get it cleaned up, smoothed out. You know what I mean? Like I was just gonna, I was gonna figure it out no matter what. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what question I just answered, but yeah, that's that, that's where I landed. That's where I landed. <laughs> well, you gave me an answer, you know what I mean, of sorts, because I'm, I'm thinking about it because we're in the city of Philadelphia. Like, there is such a strong musical spirit that's here. Yeah, you know, yeah, people may focus on who's big on the mainstream, but I feel like you wouldn't be able to have that appreciation if not for artists like yourself. You know, what I'm saying people who are behind, like the scenes within the underground who will keep pushing and pushing and pushing with your shows. Because I find it interesting that you are part of this collective. Um, 30... And over. 30 and over collective, right? Yeah, 30 and over league. And I, I love that because it shows you that age has nothing to do with what you put out musically. Nothing to do with what you do with your craft and how much you love what you do. Yeah. You know, I think that stands as a testament to that. Though I'm not sure if that actually was created to do that. You know what I'm saying? In terms of like, yo, we're going to show y'all like old heads can still, still hold it down. You know what I'm saying? Well, as far as the basis of 30, I think you would have to have Nico come up here and explain it from his own standpoint because I don't want to misrepresent how or why he started it. Okay. But um, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when I joined 30, it was more so like I was looking for not more so the next wave, but it was like a group of dudes I already respected. Mm-hmm. Um, the last show I did before I got hurt, um, I was actually on a bill with 30 and over and my nephew told me how much he liked them. And like, I introduced him to Nico and Blessa and like, you know, he, he wasn't starstruck, but like, it was, it was kind of cool for, you could tell on his face that it was kind of cool for him to like meet these guys out there. Like he was like rocking with their set or whatever. And, um, after that, I just had a, a heightened respect for them because I've never seen my nephew react to somebody in person musically like that. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I feel like I trained my nephew well, my nephew not right. Um, he listens to Eminem, like he watches old school wrestling, like from like 2002, 2003. Like I'm like, ah, yeah, he's me. This, this, this is like my kid. Like, <laughs> you know I me? Mean? Like I trained him up well. You know I mean? So um, when he say like 30 and over league, that always stuck in my head. You know what I'm saying? So like when I decided to make my next move, while I was still hurt, by the way, um, that was my first choice to go with them. And Nico was like, yo, like, let's do it. And that was that was that. So Nico, you're referring to was Nico the Beast, right? Yes. Uh, who else is in your uh, collective with Thirty and Over? Um, it is it's me, Nico, Nico the Beast, uh, Blessa, Almighty, uh, Johnny on the spot. I mean, we, it, it's it's difficult to say who's active because like it's not just a collective; it's more like a, and it's not even a brand. It's it's kind of like a an umbrella. 
You know what I mean? And everybody in it doesn't even really rap. You know what I'm saying? But there are people who rep 30 who just rep 30 without rapping or doing anything kind of creative, really. They just fly the flag. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like a Mo Thugs in that. I don't know if you remember Mo Thugs. Dog, like, come on. Lazy's whole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. It's kind of like a Mo Thugs kind of situation. Like there's people on 30 that don't rap, never rapped in their life. You, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just it's just a group of like-minded people, basically, I could say. But I like, I like feeling like I'm the youngest person in the room. So like <laughs> that was like a selfish reason for joining. Like, okay, well, I I'm about to turn 30. I have like legit no legs. I still got bars though, so where can I land? And thirty was it. <laughs> but um, yeah. Now I'm I'm really just focused on legendary. Um, me and Bear One pushing Flashpoint, getting that done, wrapping up these these videos and all that good stuff, and getting myself off the ground. You know what I'm saying? Because because thirty's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like thirty's going to be thirty, going to keep getting shows. You know what I'm saying? Da 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 da. But as far as Chris Vance coming back from the dead, like that's that's what I'm. So now. I want to get to that point. You come back from the dead in one second, right? right. I have a whole set up of questions for that. <laughs> but um, you mentioned a brother named Baron One. Yes, sir. Baron One is an awesome dude, man. Yes. Awesome dude. I met Baron One around the same time that I met you. Really? Yeah. In the same spot, too. Like Best Buy? Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now I, 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 I take, take off my hat now because like, I'm sweating. You know what I mean? Boom. That's how we get down to the point, right? So now when I was in Best Buy, I used to work in the media section. Yeah. Right? CDs, movies, DVDs, video games, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. At the time, he used to work for a label. Def Jam. Def Jam. Mm-hmm. And he would come in and check the end caps for releases. Oh, shit. Right. So... When you were in the back, right, he would come in on Tuesdays. Tuesday yeah, I just, I just moved to the back uh, right before you left. I had just moved from cashier to the back, and trucks were Tuesdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. I remember that, yep. Yep, so when I was there, I got there like probably like July, right? Mm-hmm. I was there from, during the summertime. So he would come in every Tuesday morning. He would check the end caps, see like what was here, how many was sold, and all that. Mm-hmm. So me and him would, would discuss – those releases, you know what I mean? Like, what needs to be here? I go in the back and get some more. Mm-hmm. All that. So yeah. we build a, a connection that way. And then I would see him stop by Q Records on South Street. Mm-hmm. So it's funny as hell that I knew y'all both at the same time, you know what I mean, in different capacities. We had the same same job, and you are together years later coming together on this project. Man, b- b- yeah, listen, people don't understand how big of a connector Best Buy actually is. Like, Yes. Bruh, I've met so many people in Best Buy. I've met uh, Don Staley, Brent Selleck, Lito Shepard, Tim Legler, mm-hmm. uh, Sheldon Brown, Jeremiah Trotter. Yeah, like Best Buy is like where people actually go. Like you can actually meet people if you work there. And it's crazy because like, like Mike said, it's, you know, you never know who you might meet and where you might re-meet with them down the line, you know what I mean? And the fact that you met us both at the same time and now we're working on this project, that's happenstance like to like a million. <laughs> Dude, cause I mean, I remember when um when Bear was working with the homie uh, Grande and like, I, I've seen him. Shout out to Grande. Yeah, like I've seen him like, I never knew how deep he was into music mm-hmm. until like later on I was like, oh shit, this dude is ill, you know what I'm saying? Or what's that? <laughs> but yeah, shout out to uh, Bear One, uh, STS, Jordan Brown, out on tour right now. I'm about to say uh, they getting back, 
like either this week or next week. And I know this because I'm trying to finish this project. So nice. yeah, when my man Bear One is finished Globe Trotting, we gonna we gonna get down to this Flashpoint and finish it off. So here's a question about Flashpoint. How did it come together, right? Also, how did you choose to say, yo, Bear One, let's do this? Well, I met Bear One through my girl. Um, you know DJ Mike Lowry. That's the homie. Yeah. So one night, and this is back when Fluid was still uh Fluid was still around in uh Recipes around day. Yes. Uh Fluid was still around and it'll be sometimes I was working overnight not sometimes, I was working overnight at the time. And Katrina would tell me when she was going out or whatever the case. And one night she decided to go to Fluid. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, be safe. Da, 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 da. So she's like, you know, tweeting me, texting me, whatever. She's like, yo, I'm with Mike Lowry. I'm saying like, da, 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 da. like this producer just bought me a drink. You're saying I'm real. I'm like, things are real cool. I'm trying to make the connect. Da, da, da. Turns out that producer was bare one. Nice. Right. So after that, like she knew I, w- I was kind of like looking for a direction. Da, 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 da. So she was like. Why don't you work with him? Like he seemed kind of open to it. Da, da, da. You know, Mike Lowry was like putting a good word for you. Like he was really like he really had your back. Da, da, da. So um, we met at Bear One's crib, and it's like almost as soon as we met, it was like just like that. You know what I'm saying? Like we met, we knew that we were like, yeah, we're we're about to do this. So I recorded Doom City with him. Like my last project, Doom City, lasted the best. Mm-hmm. I recorded that whole project with him, and it came out lovely. Like I. I normally hate my music after like a month of finishing a project. I'm like, all right, next thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I finish it, put a nice little bow on it, put it to the side, and I'd start working on the next thing. But um, Doom City, like Doom City got me through my injury, bro. Like it, like that was in our car, like the CD in our car for like a year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, like for some reason I haven't gotten tired of this yet. Like, so after Doom City, we knew we were making a project together. We we're like, yeah, we have to do something like as a joint thing. And mind you, I'm still injured at this point. So my homegirl Dope comes through with the Sky Zoo Connect, right? And it's like, yo, I'm gonna make this happen, right? But I need you to come up with something fire. I'm like, all right. So mind you, me and Bear had a couple of sessions already. He gave me a few beats I've been writing already. And he plays his beat, and I'm like, "Whose fucking beat is this?" Because sometimes he plays me shit for like, you know, um, Slim, like SDS. He plays mm-hmm. me stuff for uh, Ready Rock, Reef. Like he plays me like their new stuff, like uh, PD, uh, Truck North. You know what I'm saying? Like he plays me the stuff he's working with them on, and I'm like, "Yo, is that this that shit?" And like, and he played that beat. I'm like, "Whose beat is this?" He was like, "Yours." I was like, "Okay, so that's the first time I asked you that, and you actually said that." Like, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I didn't know this beat was my. He's like, "Yo, this is for you." Bruh, I sent that shit to Doke so fast, like 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 immediately. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "All right, I'm gonna send it to Sky Zoo," and that's how that whole record came about. Wow, yeah. And the video was dope too. That was shot in New York, right? Yes, shot in Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah, uh, and I was still injured then too. You could you could tell like that was one of the things that I wanted. I definitely wanted to shoot while still injured because mm-hmm. like I wanted to get across like not how much I was struggling because I feel like I did that a lot in every single day. Like when I shot that video with Chill and uh, Chill Moody and Jacqueline Constant, shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that video was more so like, here's what I'm struggling with. Like I was in Acme with like, first of all, that shot, that shoot in Acme was the funniest shit ever. Like we had people like chasing us like, yo, you have to turn your camera off. Like, y'all can't be in here taping shit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was on a wheelchair, like pulling shit off the stands with my cane and shit. Like, I, yo, we were drawling in Acme. Me and Screw Tape, shout out to Screw Tape. He shoots, 
That's like 95% of my videos at this point. <laughs> but yeah, me and Screw were in there just drawling, like knocking shit off the shelves, you know what I'm saying? Rolling around in a little handicap joint, like just drawling. And he was with everything I said. He was like, all right, let's do that. All right, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, it came out. Like we had we we laughed a lot during that set, that set. Not set, during that shoot, my bad. Um and it was fun. You could you could see almost how fun it was. Like if you're like watching the video closely, like you could tell that I'm not like, you know, super down on myself or anything like that. Like my mom's in the video, my nephew's in the video, uh, my man Smooth is in the video, shot the smooth. It was that was more like a family affair kind of thing. And I wanted to show that even though I was hurt, I was still getting shit done. That's what every single day was. So legendary was more so like I wanted to show the juxtaposition between where I'm at in my career and where Sky's at in his career. So the first scene of the video, you see Sky walk up to, you know, Katrina and my homegirl Arlene. Shout out to Arlene. Like, you know, they like take flicks with them, da, 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 da. like they're real excited to see him and shit like that. And then when I come up, you know what I'm saying, like with my little John or whatever, like she just tossed that shit in the wind, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like that's the juxtaposition between like an like an established artist as far as like, you know, being recognized by the mainstream, even if you aren't mainstream, being recognized by the mainstream, like it puts you in a different space. Versus, you know, the artist that's still grinding, trying to like, you know, peek his head up over the trenches, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, like I'm trying to get up a little bit to where you are, you know what I'm saying? And showing that difference between the reactions I think was necessary mm -hmm. because it shows how much of a struggle this can be, how much, like how badly you can be treated, how much people can really dismiss you if other people haven't co-signed you already, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a very lonely life as an artist. Even if you have people around you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if people around you believe in you, whatever the case, da, 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 like, when you go to sleep at night, it's like, yo, like, I have to keep pushing this shit. Like, it's like Atlas. I have to keep pushing this rock up up the mountain. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I don't push this rock up the mountain, nobody else is pushing this shit up the mountain. So, like, I have to get up the next day and keep going, keep going, keep going, no matter how people react, no matter how many times I get downed or my business card gets thrown away, like, in front of my face, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just got to keep pushing and get to where you want to go. So with that being said, in terms of, I know with artists, like every project is like, serves as, as a statement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So with Flashpoint, we wanted to say about you, not only as an artist, but as someone who's, not only as just an artist, but in terms of someone within music. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, artists, but also you're, you're a fan of music first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what do you want to say about you after it's all said and done? Well, you don't get into music if you're not a fan of the music. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're always a fan first and foremost. And I consider myself a student of music. You right. know what I mean? So I get in a lot of dumbass arguments on Facebook about how younger artists shouldn't disrespect older artists and shit like that. Because, like, I understand that these younger guys might not know their history right but as a student of said game it is your responsibility to know your history you know what i'm saying like yes. there's no scientists out here talking about some like yo fuck nikola tesla like that's that that's that old bullshit you know what i'm right. saying like <laughs> no, nobody rocks with that tesla no more you know what i'm saying like nobody says that you know what i'm saying like nobody comes in a rock like yo fuck Mick Jagger. like mm -hmm. what what do you mean like, like, like nobody no, if somebody was out here to come sing classical right now, they wouldn't like put their middle fingers up and say fuck Pavarotti before they're set. You know what I'm saying? Like right. th there is a there's a respect that comes with lineage. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like hip hop 
is a minority is a minority in itself. And what I mean by that is, you know, with minorities, it you kind of push your own self out. You know what I'm saying? So let's say Polo. Polo's been around for like 50, 60 years, yeah. right? Fubu had like a year and a half before we ourselves started to push that shit out the door. Like it's man, trash. You know, nobody wants to wear that shit. Da, 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 da. And like Honestly, I want to say it's the black community that does this, but I don't want to just pigeonhole the black community. So, like, basically, as minorities, we tend to kind of disregard our own wave mm-hmm. to get to the popular wave. And that's why there are younger artists who wouldn't be in the game of certain people were still alive. You know what I'm saying? Get the come off like coming at it, coming at an older artist, like, oh, well, that, that, that's boring, da 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 da. However, it's like, yo, you can't really advance your craft unless you know what came before you. You know what I'm saying? Like, my Spotify has a whole bunch of shit like Denise Williams and, like, Stephanie Mills and, and, and people like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's old, but I don't dismiss it and say that it has no value. You know what I'm right. saying? And I just want to get that feeling back that, like, yo, like, this this is – a lineage and not just right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's cool to be young and rebellious. I was young and rebellious. I'm still rebellious. I'm post 30. I'm I'll be 32 in July. And I still say, fuck the system, all that, whatever the case. Like, I'm still rebellious, you know what I'm saying? But I'm respectful of what I need to re- be respectful of. You know what I mean? Like, I know I rap better than 90% of the cats in the 80s, but I'm not out here like Oh well, fuck them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying? Because like, like your craft evolves. You know what I'm saying? Like the craft evolves. You know what I mean? Like being able to rap now ain't the same as it was in the 80s or 90s or even in 2000s. You know what I'm saying? Being able to rap now means you have like a a dope wave. You wear colorful shit. You know what I'm saying? Like people are talking about you. Whatever. You're viral. Blah 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 blah. It's not really about the culture anymore. And not to say it should be about the culture, but when you're talking skill, you're talking craft. You know what I'm saying? There is. A being able to rap and a not being able to rap. Like, like those are still two very distinct things. But the lines have been like irreparably blurred, in my opinion. I'm not even sure what question I was supposed to answer at that point. But again, you <laughs> always me know for these tangents that I forget what I was supposed to be answering. <laughs> but it's all good because you mentioned um, about artists not paying how much and paying dues, right? Mm-hmm. For example, because uh, I'm sure you're aware of it, over the past. Maybe it happened last week. There was a thing about the artist Little Zan, ah. who said that he found. Could they ask him like? First of all, the question was just, was just dumb in the first place because asking like on on a clout scale, what would you give Tupac? First of all, all this clout stuff that's for children, B. Yeah, that's for kids. Like anybody in my age range or our age range for sure, we don't care about no clout. Like, it's, it's like, yeah. That's like how what swag was in like the 2000s, 2010s. Like nobody cares. Yeah. So you ask this young guy, yo, what do you give Tupac on a clout scale? I give him a two because music is boring. First of all. <laughs> I don't even think that kid has listened to a Tupac album. Like I, I don't really peg him as somebody who has heard Tupac at all. So let Let's do something. Let's call out the OGs who ask these kids these questions. Because it's like, all right, you look at this kid. Mm-hmm. He looks like a box of fruity pebbles. Right? Like he has colorful tattoos on his face. He's wearing a super colorful hoodie. Listen, you look like a Picasso painting. Cool. Why would you think this kid would listen to pop? Like, like what about him 
would at, would would like tell you that like he would give you a solid opinion about Tupac Shakur. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like you, you're you're kind of setting them up for failure. So like there's 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 blame on both sides with like the whole young versus old. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I feel like the OGs are kind of like territorial. They're trying to gauge the 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 young balls from their side of the fence. You know what I'm saying? Like oh well, you're not hip hop if you don't know what I know to be hip hop. That's fucking ridiculous. First of all, hip hop supposed to be like all inclusive. That's number one. Right. That's the whole. That was the whole point of hip hop to begin with. Like, if you could rap, you could step in the cipher. Like, that was it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, it's about you know different things here and there. But like, you still have to have that respect for what came before you, else you wouldn't be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. you could have easily said like, I'm not really familiar with his music. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course these kids aren't gonna have media training. That kid's like what, fucking 15? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he doesn't boy, have yeah. any media training. You ask him off the cuff, he's not gonna have the right answer. He's gonna answer the way he knows to answer. And if he heard like two or three Pac songs and they were boring to him, he's gonna gauge Tupac as boring. You can't fault him for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? But on the other end, you could also try to educate him as somebody who's been in the game for a while. Like, hip hop's 40 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'm sure there's shit that I did back in, you know what I'm saying, 2010, 2011 that OGs wouldn't approve of. Who gives a shit? Like, you're, you're, not, you're not helping my wave. You're not pushing my way forward. Why do I care what you think? And that's probably what these kids are thinking too. And they have the right to think that. You know what I'm saying? But it's more like, but I think that there's like this civil war in hip hop. And it's like the older guys versus the younger guys. And, you know, I feel like the way to move is like, yo, I, I've always wanted to work with my. OGs, you know what I'm saying? Like the people who I felt like pushed the envelope forward. Like I'm really trying to work with those people. That's why, I, that's part of why I joined 30, you know what I'm saying? Cause like they're always opening for, you know, Keith Murray or Onyx or Naughty by Nature. Like these are people I grew up watching, grew up idolizing, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's an honor for me to open for these people. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I take it like that. But when you're constantly getting bashed by the older generation, it tends to make you not give a fuck. So like there's blame on both sides, I'd say. It's funny because, like, the older generation, the cats who are, like, really, really, like, just hating the younger generation, mm-hmm. they're the cats who didn't really, like, make any real serious impacts. You know what I'm saying? Because think about it. If you're going by the old school generation compared to now, right? Yeah. You talk about, like, 90s cats, right? Yeah. Like, you never heard, you don't hear, like, meth, red man, or Ghostface say anything crazy. No, you don't hear them about Raekwon say anything crazy. Hove don't do that. Nas don't do that. Anybody who made enough success in their time, they're not on that wave. It's yeah, like not worry people, about talking about other people. Right, it's people who are out here who are like, who who may have been like somewhat popular, mm-hmm. but didn't really like make it big, who are like, yeah, these new kids suck, man. Looking for somebody to blame. Yeah, it's like you can't blame, you know, um, somebody who's out in 2016 we out here with the late 80s flow talking about who, ha, hip-hop tracks. Like, nobody's <laughs> going to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm, I'm not saying that you can't be, like, your craft is your craft. Your art is your art. You have, you have every right to do what you want to do because yep. it makes you happy. But at the same time, you cannot take out your frustrations or your insecurities on somebody who's younger because they're not doing what you're doing. But, like, you made a very serious point. It's like, Instead of being so like aggressive and ready to fight everybody, it's like, yo, why don't you take the time to get to know yeah. these people? I mean, my thing is more so like you wanna you wanna be the lifeblood of your craft. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're always trying to 
push your craft forward. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get drafted to the NBA and then say fuck the NBA. Like, like that's not that's not what you do. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. like you're trying to push not only your own career forward, but what you're like the career itself forward. You're trying to push, you know, what's important and what you love about what you do mm-hmm. to more and more people. So my thing is more so like when you get older and like, you know, you might not be where you want to be. You can't start, you can't turn around and point the finger at the younger generation because like they weren't the fuck around when you were supposed to be doing what you had to do. You know what I'm saying? Like just because shit ain't shake out the way you wanted it to doesn't mean that these kids are to blame. They came up watching people like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I don't get why a lot of these OGs still, still continue to ask the question. It's like, why are you asking a 16 or 17 year old about Tupac when their wheelhouse is probably like Wayne or uh, Gucci or, you know, Nelly to like an older kind of like late 2000s, early, I mean, late 90s, early 2000s kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't listening to the, they were listening to the same things we were listening to, but we were older listening to them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to think back to when you were a kid, like under 10, and the things you used to hear and the things you used to like really fuck with without even questioning it. Like, I knew one more chance a month after it came out. I had no business listen, listening to fucking Biggie. Right, the, right. The first, the first song I knew word for word was "If I Ruled the World." I had no business listening to that. You, right. you know what I'm saying? And I and I was under ten at this point, so it's like, you know what I'm saying? As kids, like shit catches you. You know what I'm saying? Like when you mm-hmm. when you first discover hip hop, that shit isn't like going over like a speed bump in a in a parking lot. That's just like hitting a brick wall. You're like. Holy shit! Like you're know saying, like you're like, wow, this is hip. Wow, look at all this is this is beautiful. Like all these fucking, art. you know, what I'm saying, like it's it's kind of like getting like a curtain pulled from from like over your eyes. You start to like see all this different stuff. You're like, wow, this is all hip hop. Yeah, this is cool. You know, what I'm saying, like, so you have to really reaccess the wonder you had when you first stepped into the game because, like, that's what all these other kids have too. You know, what I'm saying, like, music impacts younger people different than it does us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we listen for different things in music now. You know what I'm saying? Before, it used to be like, you know, the be hot, yeah, shit fire, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't give a fuck what the lyrics were because you were a kid and it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Even if you were one of those Talib, Kweli, most deaf kind of kids, and I, I was one of those kids. Me too. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I love lyrics when I heard them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love Talib for what he said. I love most for what he said. I love Pharrell for what he said. I love all, all these kind of artists. But, like, when Jay puts something out on the radio, that shit was king. You, you know what I'm saying? Like when T.I. put something out on the radio, that shit was king. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew what it was. Like it didn't matter if they were like, you know, lyrical, sexy, flexy. You know what I'm saying? Like I got all these pronouns and verbs and shit that I could flip and throw in your face 18 different ways. Yo, listen, when you're when you're trying to have some fun, nobody gives a fuck about all that. You know what I'm saying? So like my thing is I tried to give a current sound with lyricism that I approve of. I'm going to give you these bars. You're going to get these bars. But when you hear it, you're going to hear it in a more modern fashion. Like, I'm not trying to force 1989 down your throat. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to get off lyrically the way I want to because lyricism to me is still a craft. You know what I'm saying? However, I realize that people listen to what they want to listen to and they listen to what sounds good. So, like, I have to make it sound good in order for you to listen. Like, like my man, like Reef said, and I'm sure he didn't come up with this, but like, you know, sometimes you got to put the medicine in the candy. That's how I do it. That's how I look at it. That's how it should be done. Because I will say this, like a lot of these kids now, I'm like, I wonder what kind of artist would they be if Lil Wayne wasn't around? So I feel like, because Wayne was, like you said, the wheelhouse. 
I see a lot of Wayne and a lot of these new kids now. You know what I'm saying? As you should. I mean, like yeah. he 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 ran from like '99 to like '08. Like, and that was from him just coming up as a solo artist and then him, like, diversifying and then him, like, bringing Drake and Nicki and people like that on. Like, like he had the game for, like, a solid decade almost. So, like, people would be idiots to discount that influence. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was really, like, bigger than life. And if you think that a lot of these kids didn't see that and wanted to emulate that the same way we wanted to emulate, like, a Jay or a Nas or, or a Biggie or a Pac or something like that, then you're literally ignoring what brought you here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like... It's like that parent that forget that they were a kid every now and again. It's like, yo, you have to realize that kids do dumb shit. Kids follow dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, or you know what I'm saying, kids follow things in general. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you have to understand that, like, you know, that's part of growing up. That's part of like finding out who you are, you know, what what you are what you like or what you're drawn to. You know what I'm saying? Like that that shit like it, it, it molds you for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and music is a, a huge part of that. Like, that's the power of music. So for people to think that these kids nowadays should be, you know, like, oh, Pac is the greatest. And da, 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 da. Nah, man. It's kind of like when I talk about AI and motherfuckers want to bring up, like, Jason Kidd or some shit like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, bruh, bruh. I want to hear that shit. AI was the fucking man. I'm not trying to hear that shit. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, AI brought braids to the league. They changed the dress code Tattoo. for AI. They they, yeah, they, they, instituted, they instituted the zone for AI. You know what I'm saying? Like, AI changed the game. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And then some motherfucker who likes Magic Johnson will come up, man, fuck Allen Iverson. <laughs> what? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it, it's that generation gap. You know what I'm saying? We're all going to have different people we look to that we say are the greats or like the Mount Rushmore of such or whatever the case. But like, again, as a student of the game, you have to know what came before you. You have to respect what came before you. You might not necessarily like what came before you might not necessarily be your bag or your cup of tea but you have to understand that without this era you wouldn't exist you know what i'm saying and that respect is what i'm looking for more but kids don't respect shit you're saying like i could honestly say that i said fuck everything until i was like 24 right didn't care not one bit so like i don't i don't mind that these kids are just out here doing them that's what you're supposed to be doing until like you get old and you get a mortgage and you know what I'm saying you got kids and you got to pay bills and you got to be born and shit. Yeah. Have your fun. Have your fun. Yeah. That's right. Have your fun, kids. Have your fun. <laughs> now, let's take a turn towards the, the realness mm-hmm. of the show. The real portion. Now, earlier you mentioned... Coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. So in this portion of the show, I want to call it the Lazarus section. Mm-hmm. You know, for those who may not be aware of the biblical stories, Lazarus was a dude that uh, you know Jesus brought back from the dead. Right? I think that's how it goes. Right? You know, he was dead, and Jesus said, "Get up, son." He's like, right, "I'm up. I'm up." Mm-hmm. So like, so for you, let's discuss the injury. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss the journey back to where you are now and let's discuss also where you are now. Um, right, so let me take a sip for this because too. this is a long story. <laughs> we got time. It's a long story. Let me take a sip. And while we're here, shout out to Katrina. And you know what I mean? Shout out to you because uh, she's here and you know, 
really dope person, good personality. I, I follow follow them both on like social media. You know what I mean? So yeah, shout out to both of y'all. And I, what I had, Captain Morgan, private stock. Yes, sir. I had a shout out that. <laughs> this is why like, I'm on fire right now for this podcast. That's why I was sweating. I'm like, take this hat off. I'm sweating. Doing damn I well. I my hat off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good money, man. Like, shit. Oh, man. I got another shot coming. Thank you very yep, much. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, man. So basically, on December 20th, 2014, mm-hmm. I tore both of my quads at the same time. Um, I was at Sky Zone. And I want to say shout out to Sky Zone, but that's just wholly inappropriate. So I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, so basically what happened was I was out there for two hours. I was out there for um, the homegirl's birthday party. And normally when I went to Sky Zone, I normally went for one hour because, like, I'm getting old. I am a former gymnast, but, like, I'm, like, maybe I'm starting to transition out of being able to be on trampolines. So, like, right. yeah, I mean, I was having a good time doing backflips, all kinds of shit. And I was like, let me do one last jump. Mm-hmm. And that one last jump wound up being, like, literally my last jump because, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Sky Zone before, but, you know, like, there's um, the basketball court section where there's, like, three different level basketball courts. Okay. So, um, of course, I'm at, like, the tallest one. Like, I'm 6'3". I can dunk in real life. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm like, let me go over here. I was showing off for the kids. Like, it was kids, like, lining up across the side, like, like do this. Like, make a request. Like, do a 360 and put it behind your back. I'm like, okay. So, I'm like, went, S- side note. 360, like, ha. Ah. Like I can't stand people who can dunk. <laughs> I, I damn sure can't, but continue, my brother. <laughs> so like I'm showing off, doing all this for the kids or whatever. And last jump, nobody even made a request. I don't even think the kids were there. There was like one or two kids, one or two kids there. And I'm like, I just want to take a last jump before we roll. We were, like our two hours were up. We were literally about to leave. I took one bounce, two bounce, and then the third bounce was supposed to be like to go up for the dunk. Right. I took that third bounce. All I heard was boom, boom. Right, you know that sound that your knee makes when like you crack your knee, like you you flexing your knee is like, like, yeah. like kind of like you're cracking your knuckle. It was like that times a thousand, twice. Like you heard crack, crack, and like my nephew, not my nephew, my DJ heard it. And mind you, he he was like looking the other way, like at his girl. And as soon as the sound, like he turned, he's like, "What the fuck was that?" Like like like, like yeah. that's how loud it was. So I hit the trampoline. He's immediately calling for my girl to come back from over uh, the the phone pit because they were over at the phone pit, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Yo, yo, yo, come on, come on, come on!" My jump army crawling off the trampoline. I'm like, "Yo, I don't need no help. Get off me, get off me. I'm cool." Like mm-hmm. they pulled out the wheelchair. I climbed into the wheelchair. You know what I'm saying no help, no nothing. And then I'm sweating to death because you know, like sweat is like a immediate reaction to pain. Right. So I'm just like pouring, pouring. I still don't even really feel it yet. Mm-hmm. Katrina starts trying to tie my shoes. And I'm like, yo, I'm I'm standing up. Like I'm I'm cool. Cause I don't know what the hell is wrong at this point. So like I'm like, all right, well, I, I should be all right. I should be fine. I stood up, right? And I got I got up. Like I got up onto my two feet. And I'm like, okay, bro. I tried to I tried to walk. My leg didn't move. Like I tried to move my left foot. My leg, my foot moved maybe a half inch. Mm-hmm. Both of my knees collapsed, and I literally fell on top of Katrina as she was trying to tie my shoe. And as I hit the floor, I was like, somebody call 911. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) nobody called 911, but that was like the signal that like, yo, I'm really fucking hurt. Somebody call somebody to come do something because like I'm really hurt right now. So there was an urgent care around the corner. Um, You know, they got me back up into the wheelchair. 
and getting into the car out of that wheelchair was like one of the top three most painful things I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, we got to the urgent care. They gave me some crazy ass medicine that I was not in pain within like 10 minutes. Like she gave me that shit and I was like, I wasn't so much pain that I was like stuck in like permanent cry. Like I was just like, and like tears just running down my face. She gave me whatever she gave me and in 10 minutes. I was like up and talking. I was like, Okay, so what's the next move? Like, da 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 yeah, okay. So I went to the doctor the next day. They gave me my braces. They told me that my shit was torn, but they couldn't give me an MRI because I didn't have any insurance. So I waited for five months. I was out here just basically kind of healing on my own. Mm-hmm. I still had to bust moves, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I couldn't work, but I still had to get money. So I was out here hustling, you know what I'm saying, doing what I had to do. And... February came around. So mind you, I'm kind of healing on my own. I'm still trying to find somewhere to get an MRI without insurance. My insurance is still like working its way through. Like, Mm -hmm. so February comes around and I host the unzipped party for my man, GL, uh, George. I don't know if you know George. George Lawrence? Yeah. That's the homie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to say we did a party at um, Trinity on 6th and Spring Garden. Trilogy. Trilogy. That's what that's what it's called. Um, and we had wrapped the party and there's a winding, not a winding staircase, but like when you come down their staircase, there's like a, uh, a landing right there. So like when you come down that staircase, there's a landing and then you turn on the landing to go down the stairs. Now, mind you, I'm drunk at this point. The night's over. It's like 3am. Katrina's outside and she was supposed to go get the van. I mean, not the van. She was supposed to go get the car and I'm waiting for her. I'm starting to get worried. I'm drunk. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go down the stairs and see what's up. Now, mind you, I'm normally very careful going down the stairs, and I wasn't careful this time. So, like, I went down that first landing, and for some reason, I forgot about the landing where you turned. I thought it was just like a turn and go down the other stairs kind of joint, right? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Bro. (laughs) You say, bro, I know something's coming, yo. (laughs) So, like, I I took the corner like it was just a turn corner, and, Mm -hmm. like, I misstepped, and basically there was a step left before the landing, Mm -hmm. and when I'm going through the air, I'm like, that was a bad decision. Like, you know how when you're about to hurt yourself, like, shit moves in slow motion. Like, so I'm just in my head, like, this is going to hurt, and that was a really fucked up decision. And then I landed, both my knees bent, I heard the same tears again, like, like from Sky Zone, like, boom. Mm -hmm. Katrina finds me on the stairs like maybe five minutes later, like crying my eyes out, like, yo, get me to the car and get me the fuck out of here. So like I was kind of healing before that, but I was healing in a very crude manner. Like I didn't have any hospital visits or anything like that, mm-hmm. but like my shit had started to heal itself. Right. Retort that night. Damn. Retort like retort both that night. Like it was no question, no nothing. Like I definitely retort both of my quads that night. Um so after that, like the pain was different. Like it starts like shit started to feel really weird and off balance. Mm. I'm like, y'all really have to get this MRI. So my insurance finally came through, got the MRI. They told me I tore my left quad 85%. Like it was like hanging on by a string, basically. Christ, and the right one was 55%. Yeah. But I also hurt my patella tendon. So that's what made my right side a little more sketchy than my left side. Because like my left side only my quad's healing. Mm-hmm. My right side, my quad, and my patella tendon is healing. So, like, you're talking about above my knee and below my knee, right? So, it's like, oh, what the fuck? All right. So, from there, I just threw myself into the gym. Like, I shut down all my music. I shut down all employment 
whatever the case, and I just went to PT two, three times a week, and that was like what my life was centered around. So my physical therapist, shout out to Mark. Mark saved my life. Shout out to Mark. Um, basically, he had me go on my own pace, but once he saw that I was like really there to like push it and push it and push it, he kind of matched my pace. Like, yo, like, if you feel like you can do this, or you feel like you can do this, you start doing this, and then the next time you come in, you know what I'm saying, we'll kind of tweak the plan accordingly. So I was in PT for like a year and some change, and I went from not even being able to bend my legs like walking to tapping backboard. Because, you know, like at, um, and my, and my PT was right around the corner. Shout out to the sporting club. Uh, I was there two, three days a week, just getting back to it. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, at basketball court is right below like the physical therapy office and whatever. So, like, once I started to get on the court again, I started shooting around, started moving, started like doing spin moves and like started practicing. I'm like, yo, like, I'm really, I can really like get back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've even played a couple of competitive basketball games since then. You know what I'm saying? Like, like against people who don't have torn quads. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I mean, it's a long road. I'm still on the road, actually. Um, I really need to get back in the gym, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's something that's never ending. Like, you're always going to be dealing with something like that. But I'm comfortable with where I've gotten back to. And, like, I've always thought that, like, my athletic pursuits would end at 30. So, like, my big thing was, like, backflip still 30. And I still owe myself a backflip because I was injured when I turned 30. Right. So I'm like, all right, I need one more before I, go, before I like, retire, at, like, period. So mm-hmm. I'm still working towards that. But um, as far as, like, you know, functionality and, you know, being able to do certain things, like, I'm fine. Like, I can, I can rumble and I can run. Those are the really – the, the two things I really need. You know what I'm so other than that, I'm good. <laughs> Man said R and R, rumble and run. <laughs> I can rumble or I can run. Like you know what I mean. So, with that being said, that's where were you mentally during that time? Because let's think about it because you're going through a massive physical ordeal like that. Mentally, you gotta be going everywhere because I'm, I'm sure you're going through times of like. And now, like, no, this shit ain't happening to me. And then you're going through, like, feeling like either because it's like there's five levels of grief that, that I know about, right? Yeah. And, like, you know, denial is part of it. Then it's like this anger that's part of it. Then you accept it. Then it's like part of you having like to bargaining. adjust it. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to adjust to it and, and get on with it. So, what was it like for you? My denial didn't last long. Like, I, I, was, very, I was very realistic about what happened and what it meant for me. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. like my, my chief, what I love to do is performing. You right. know what I'm saying? So that's why I stepped aside from music for a while because like, I can't perform like this. You know what I mean? People mm-hmm. are like, Oh, why don't you just perform sitting down? Who the fuck? Perform- what the fuck? Yo, <laughs> <laughs> that was the dumbest shit I'd ever heard. I'm like, yo, perform sitting down. I was like, you ever been to one of my shows? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I'm the opposite of sitting down. Like I can't perform the way I want to perform sitting down. That's bullshit. Like that's like opera. If say like no, nah, that's that's not what I do. Like people love my sets because I'm bouncing around. I'm sweating to death because I'm working so hard. You know what I'm saying? Like and I'm doing all this while giving you all the bars. You know what I'm saying? So performing wasn't even an option for me at that point. And if performing wasn't an option, then music wasn't an option. So I just shut that entire thing down. I'm like, yo, listen, I had to heal. I don't care about music right now. I'm 
worried about me, mm-hmm. myself, my legs. I had to get my legs back. And once I get my legs back somewhat, then I can start worried about music again. So it was a point where I wasn't even listening to my own music at a point. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just music free. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't listen to music in the car. I wouldn't listen to music at the crib, through my headphones, like nothing. I was just like, I had to completely separate myself from that to heal. And then when it's time to go back, if there is a time to go back, then I'll go back. Mm-hmm. But I recorded Legendary on crutches. You know what I'm saying? Like I was still very, very fucked up when I recorded Legendary. And when Katrina took that, picture and it was um skies in the background kind of like you know going over his verse and it was me just like standing there on my crutches like that's how this shit actually went like when i recorded it i put my crutches to the side and i was in pain the entire time i recorded that verse because i was standing on my own two feet and i wasn't used to that just yet so that's why you could hear kind of like pain in my voice because i was really in pain and it, and it came across very very well like it, it definitely did a lot for the song um but yeah, like it's it's basically realizing what you can and can't handle. So like my athleticism is everything to me. Like I said, I'm a former gymnast. I've won state championships. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I played ball in high school. I played several different sports in high school and middle school. Like I'm an athlete at heart. So like once that happened to me, like I had to like literally change who I was for a while. It really reclaimed that. And like, you know, once I started to get, you know, a little active again, that was all the daylight I needed. You know what I'm saying? It was like all right, I'm back out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, my man got killed not too long ago by my man Robbie. And they had, um, Rest in peace, homie they, I, I don't know if you had, I don't know if you heard about that incident where a homie got shot in the church. Like, yeah, like my man uh, was, was sitting in some specific part of the church and, you know, there was a, a dust up with the ushers and whatever the case. And like some old white guy walked up on him with a gun. Like, yo, I want you to leave. And he's like, what, you just want to shoot me in the church? So, like, Boyle went to go pull it. And Robbie jumped up and, like, three-pieced him. Like, yo, you're not just about to pull a gun and shoot me in a church. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he knocked Ball down. Ball pulled the gun out of his waistband, shot him three times in the chest. Jesus. So, yeah. So, I definitely dusted off my ball sneaks when my man Ellis put together that tour- like not not even a tournament like just like a day of ball for him you know what I'm saying like I definitely dusted off my sneaks dusted off my knees it was like yo I need to go play in this tournament because like that was my man and like coincidentally I saw him like three months before that happened because like when I was still kind of working through my injury I, t- I took a little I took several little jobs like jobs where I wouldn't have to like do a whole lot like so I was working at JC Penny at the time mm-hmm. So he came in looking for some khakis for his new job. And like we sat and, and talked for like 20 minutes. And he was like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? Don't even worry about your legs, bro. You're going to get your legs back. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't worry about this job. You're going to have something better. You know what I'm saying? Like, da, 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 da. like, he really like gave me a good word. And then like to hear he went out like that was just like, first of all, I'll have no reason to feel sorry for myself. I still have time. I still have space. I can still make the music I want to make. I just have to stop feeling sorry for myself and get out and go do it because like there are other people who can't do what I want to do. So I have to do this for them. Wow. Sorry for getting depressing. <laughs> I mean, but, but that's real. You know I mean? These things that we, we encounter, these things are kind of like stimulants for us all. Yeah. Things that motivate us because like it's sometimes you need to have, I'm not saying you need to have tragedies, but sometimes you need to have these experiences to truly fuel you and push you where you need to be. Yeah. And it's crazy sometimes, like, look, you and I are like 
are competent beings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we know what we need to do out here. Sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we need to see, like, this happen to somebody else be like, oh, shit, I had to get back on my point, you know? Yeah. Like, um, there's a homie right now who's, uh, who's currently in the hospital. I'm not going to mention his name because it, people might not want that out there. Yeah, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? But he's currently in the hospital, man. He isn't doing that well. I'm like, and I'm hearing it. And I'm like, I got to... Ah, I know who you're talking about. Right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, yo, when you hear something like that, it's like, yo, like, what the fuck am I doing? Part of my language, but it's like, yeah. what, it's like, what am I doing? Like, I'm sitting here wondering about, man, is this going to work out? Is that going to work out? How can I do this? How can I do that? And it's like, nah, man, you got to get you up and do, do something. You got to do now. You know now. what I'm saying? Like, and, um, and I'm going to mention homeboy name, not the homeboy that Mike was just talking about, but yeah. uh, our homie Reggie. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Reggie went through, like, some crazy life threatening shit a couple years ago maybe not even a couple years I think it might have been last year and um that hit me hard because like I had just like kicked it with him maybe like the week before you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like and you and Reggie's that kind of dude you can always kick it with him like whenever you see him in person you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. it's all love and when that happened that hit me like like in the face I was like yo what like mm-hmm. he's he what what's happening to that nah mm-hmm. nah 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 and thankfully my man came through shout out to Reggie you know what I'm saying pretty rad, rad. You know what I'm saying taking all these mm-hmm. fantastic flicks around the city. Shout out to him, but um, yeah, man. Like you see what happens to your comrades, and I'm guessing people looked at me kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Like, right. like I was still pushing Doom City, and all of a sudden, like I'm down. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I'm pretty sure people looked at me in the same way. But you know, when things like that happen, it it it, it pushes you out of a comfortable space and it makes you really assess what you're doing. Like, like, like mm-hmm. are you doing as much as you could be doing or if you're doing enough to get to where you want to go, you know what I'm saying? Like you really like sit and really reassess like where you are, what you want to do. And, you know, not to say that tra- tragedies are like fuel or anything, but it definitely makes you reassess and step back and look at the whole picture. Like what could I be doing better? What could I be, you know, Offering that will make a lasting impact, you know what I'm saying? Because right. like legacy comes into it at a point, you know what I'm saying? Because you you don't know when your clock is up, you know what I'm saying? Damn sure it don't. So it, it's it's more so like you know you start the you you it makes you aware that there is a clock, you know what I'm saying? Because like a lot of times we live like we have all the time in the world, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you know when a situation comes up that shows you like no no no, mm-hmm. there is a time limit that definitely makes you. Reconsider things, right? Because um, I said this to you before on Twitter, yo, and you were like, "Yo, I don't know how I take that, but that's gonna be a compliment, right?" <laughs> I called you. Um, I said you reminded me of EST, yeah, from Three Times Dope. Because mm-hmm. I heard your bars one time. I heard your voice. I'm like, "Do you remind me just like EST?" And I love EST. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's like, dude, like I appreciate the fact that, like, I appreciate you. Not just as an artist, but as a human being. Because through you, me taking notice of your growth, especially during the time of you coming back to being who you were as a, as a person, right? Going, going through your injury and like sharing your experiences with all of us. Mm-hmm. It was like, it's good to know that people are able to share who they are their emotions, their feelings. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because so many, so many times, just us as men, we're like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm all right, I'll be all right. But nah, yeah. shit ain't always all right. You know what I'm saying? Shit is 
things actually happen to us and the ability to share your experiences can help change the lives of other people or affect them. Because look, people may be in your um, Facebook comments saying, yo, you could be all right, you'd be cool, you know what I mean, it's gonna be cool. But these same people may have their own battles. Yeah. They don't put out their own front street, yeah. but seeing you be able to share your story and be like, cool, all right, cool, I'm not alone. And that allows them to come in closer to you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a bit, a bit of an excursion to you, right? Now, before you came here today, I saw a quick video um, on Vice. Mm-hmm. You know, Vice, we have interviews with all kinds of people, right? Everybody. Everybody, Everybody from all walks of life. Yeah. So um, it was this dude um, who, Thanks. it was this dude who um, is interviewing an older guy down south. Mm-hmm. Now, we know um, slavery ended on paper, right? In 1865. Uh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Right? And this guy here, who was down south, said um, pretty much slavery didn't end until the 1960s 60s, yeah. for them. Now, we'll be up, up in the north where we are or any, anywhere else. We were like, 1960s, what the fuck are you talking about, right? Yeah. Like, they were on a plantation and, well, plantation-like. They said if you tried to leave, they would kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you try to leave your house or say, I'm leaving this place, they will find you and kill you. This dude said, yo, in the 40s and 50s, he had no idea what, how civil rights was going. He yeah. had no idea how people up north were trying to fight for their freedom. They kept them isolated. They kept them isolated. And, you know, like, like, just, just drawing back to comparison to like, our individual stories, is like where we are today, it's like we have no excuse to get things done and to get where we need to be at. Yeah. And even in terms, you mentioned the hip-hop, people going back and respecting people like the past in order to understand where we're going now. It's like, when we see that, you know, like, seeing how that, how from that era, you know, the seeds for hip-hop were, like, were sown in mm-hmm. terms of, like, hip-hop originally being, well, not even now to a point, like, hip-hop was used as a platform to speak out against certain things. Yes. Like, you think about, um, you know, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Melly Mel with the message. Yeah. Like, all that comes from the struggle, acknowledging the struggle and see where it all came from. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I'm sure, like, because James Brown had songs like I'm Black and I'm Proud. Like, these, we had these songs, these moments that we had to truly acknowledge our past to get to where we're going. You know what I mean? But you had, but it wasn't about shaming the new generation. It was like, we had to do the education. We had to teach them. Yeah, and then, like, you, you make a good example with James Brown because, like, that song, we might look back at that song, like, you know, it's a dope song, whatever the case, mm-hmm. but, like, when that song dropped, that shit meant something. You, yes. know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that was, like, a call to arms. Like, yo, like, say it loud. Mm-hmm. I'm black and I'm proud. Like, that was, like, some shit that people didn't say out loud. You yep. know what I'm saying? Like, we were still getting called niggers and all kinds of stuff. Oh, I'm not sure if we can say Can't that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, like, we were still getting called that in the open, you, you know what I'm saying? Like at, at that time, so for James Brown to like, you know, just just nut up and be like, yo, like I'm about to go say this shit, mm-hmm. and then go say it and like validate a whole race of people, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like that was big, and that was big for hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like hip hop wasn't even a glimmer in their daddy's eye at that point. You know what I'm saying? Right. But that I feel like that song right there might be where hip hop started, like because when hip hop first came about, it was us. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. wasn't multicultural or anything like that. Like it was us talking about what the hell we wanted to do or what we were going through or whatever the case. Or whether we went to the party or whether we were down trying or whatever the case. Right. Like, yeah, that was it. 
uh, now that I think about it, you know, I feel like we're going from place to place, but it doesn't matter because this is the show. This is what we yeah, do. Man. You know what I mean? It's conversation. We got to get, get it all in. You know what I'm saying? Get no it all doubt. In. Gotta get everywhere. So here's the thing to me, I, I, I said this like off of recording, but now I'm sitting here on the show. You definitely had a uh, a biggie moment, you know what I mean? Rest in peace to one of my favorite rappers of all time. Mm-hmm. Birthday just passed, March 9th. Actually, the day he died. His birthday yeah, is, my bad, my bad, my bad. Your birthday is May 21st, Gemini, brother. Yeah, I'm about to say like his, his death is celebrated just as much as his, his birthday. birthday. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's, that's wild, but like I guess you can credit cannabis for that. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even, I never even thought about that, but yeah, definitely. Shout out to cannabis. I got thirty pages of rhymes in this motherfucker. You remember that? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's my f- yo. yo. Shout out to cannabis. Shout out to cannabis. I love that dude, man. <laughs> that battle, y'all got thirty pages of rhymes in this motherfucker. I'm like, all right. That's how that that was the first person who showed that you could win a battle and lose the war, like straight up. Like, right. <laughs> you saying like. He had his moment in the sun, don't get me wrong. And shout out to Cannabis. Like, Cannabis was one of those dudes that definitely pushed lyricism to the forefront. Like, one yes, of those guys that made it important. You know what I'm saying? Like, the show that you can go up against, like, you know, the, the nigga that's, like, licking his lips and getting paid for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Second round knockout was yeah, he, like, so vicious, man. Like, that was a victory for, like, the underground. You know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah, uh, one eventually. Yeah, yeah only, so. <laughs> only because of, of who uh, it was. But yeah. And the initial battle. Just on bars alone. Oh, got watched. He did not want to see cannabis whatsoever because second watched. round knockout was disgusting, yo. yo terrible, yo. <laughs> and Mike Tyson intro, man. Yo, was, you know, you know you people did, forget right? how disrespectful that song actually was, and like people think that cannabis just came at LL for no reason, but like LL started that shit like on some some slick. real sly slime ball shit. And cannabis wasn't having it, and you know what I'm saying like as an artist up top. You have a lot of artists who use other artists for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. Now, being from Philly, we have one person who's done that very expertly, and his name is Sean Carter. He's not from Philly, but for a certain time in his career, Philly he Philly. sounded a whole lot like he was from Philly. And people wondered where that style change came from. That's because... He essentially took young Chris's soul like Shang Tsung. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Jay-Z essentially became young Chris under the name of Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? The whisper flow. Now, now that's that's a Philly kept secret. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not something you'll hear in like Idaho or like Sacramento or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's something that people in Philly know. Like, nah. He came down here, signed state property, mm-hmm. heard young Chris, swiped his flow. Made like several albums off of it, and young Chris is still out here like trying to find his wave. That's not cool. A lot of people do that. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the bigger artists tend to usurp younger artists or smaller artists mm-hmm. to complement their wave. You know what I'm saying? And it's just that's just not good. No. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing I'll, I'll, I'll say about you is that. During your Biggie moment, because all right, so those who know what the Biggie moment is, so um, in ninety, I want to say around October ninety ninety six, you know, and, and the verse was it um is it long kiss goodnight? Mm-hmm. He's like um, I was strong till those days crippled me, referring to a car accident he got in, right? And Biggie was pretty much after the accident, after physical therapy, he was on a cane, like 
everywhere. He mm-hmm. was he was recording, sitting down. Like he was going through a lot of stuff, but still recording that project. Mm-hmm. So I think about that, and I think about you because you were doing the same thing on, on crutches, yeah. recording your project. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you used your um, your homie's grandfather's cane. Mm-hmm. What was the significance about the cane? Yo, um, so basically, my man Smooth, shout out my man Eric. Uh, he moved in with me right after I got hurt. Like, he helped me put my socks on. Like, when I couldn't bend to, like, put socks on my actual feet, like my homeboy. And, like, mind you, this has been my best friend for, like, over 20 years now. So he really, like, moved out for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he helped me where I couldn't. Like, he, he met me where I couldn't, you know what I'm saying, be whole at that point. You know what I'm saying? So he gave me, I needed a cane and he gave me a cane because I was tired of the crutches like they were like hurting my arms and shit like that. So he was like, yo, if you could just walk with a cane, that'd be cool. I was like, I mean, I'll try it. You know what I'm saying? And he gave me his grandfather's cane. Mind you, his grandfather had been in hospice for like maybe four or five years at that point. Mm -hmm. So when he handed me his cane, it was like a cane he had to use in a while, but it still had like his his information on it and shit like that. Mm -hmm. That's just a 1922, bro. I was like, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, and it kind of it kind of honored me to use that cane because I'm like, yo, like mm-hmm. this can't help somebody else through their life. You know what I mean? And like the fact that my best friend felt strongly enough to go get that cane and and bring it to me. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I I still have that cane. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's like in my it's either in my trunk or in my basement. It's, it's, it's one it's one of the two. But yeah, like it's it means a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because like you don't ever expect people to take time out of their lives or take time out of their schedule to help you out. And when you're hurt like that and you're basically on an island, I never expected anybody to move into my apartment and like really help me through it. So that was a big thing. So yeah, shout out to my man Smooth. Word up. So now coming down to the conclusion of our interview, right? Mm-hmm. You had a song called Legendary. Yes, sir. This guy's doing is currently out there right now. Check the video out. You yes, know sir. what I'm saying? Uh you know, you can even see a cameo of a, you know, of a young lady in that video. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So you can see all that. But when I think of the title of Flashpoint for your album, I think of urgency. Yeah. Something going down. Yeah. Right? So what sense of urgency is out there for you at this moment? Um, I think it's be- I think it's like fully becoming a man. I feel like in the black community, we're expected to be grown men at 18. You know what I'm saying? And it's like... It doesn't quite work like that. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm, I, I'm one of the lucky people who got to like, you know, stay home till I was like 25. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and my sister didn't give me no, no real hard time. I mean, my mom gave me a hard time, but it wasn't her crib, so it didn't really matter. But like, yeah, I mean, like they allowed me to be not a child, but they allowed me to find my way for longer than a lot of people get to find their way. So I'll always be appreciative of that. Uh, they allowed me to be a kid for much longer than I had any right to be. So, you know, now I'm, I find myself in a position of trying to become like, you know, that full fledged grown man. You know what I'm saying? Like me and Katrina just moved into uh, a fixer upper. That was her grandmom's house. You know what I'm saying? So now, you know, we have that on our plate, you know, with me trying to be an artist again. And, you know, I have a full time job. You know what I'm saying? She working. You know what I'm saying? We're both trying to get out a dollar. You know what I mean? So like it's, is different than it was before, so that's why I'm kind of like slow burn pushing legendary because like I want people to hear it. It's not really so much about you know where it could go or how popular it can get. It's more so about people hearing what I have to say. Like 
yeah, Sky Zoo's on it. Shout out to Sky Zoo. You know what I'm saying? Real cool dude, real down to earth dude. But like, I want you to hear what I have to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, my first two bars, I said, like, you know, I'm I'm forgetting the first two bars. Right? I was like, you know, trying to bubble to something, you know what I'm saying? On my last dice roll, double or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Basically, like I rolled my last roll of the dice and it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. And now I'm saying double or nothing. Like I realized I'm on I realized I'm on borrow time. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll be 32 in July. You know what I'm saying? Rap isn't gonna have a space for me for too much longer. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, Jay's older rapping. Yeah, you know, Jay Electronica is older rapping, you know, but people are pissed off at him because he refuses to drop an actual fucking album or single oh. or anything like that. So, like, I don't understand how you get that old in the game and you're still, like, making people wait. I have such a sense of urgency, and that's where Flashpoint comes from. You know what I'm saying? Like, Flashpoint is where shit changes. You know what I'm saying? If you listen to my music up to now, Legendary is something totally different. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the same kind of boom bap or shit that I was always into. But as far as what I'm talking about, you can tell immediately from like from when I start that second verse on Legendary, you can tell I'm on some different shit now. You know what I'm saying? I'm all about growth. I'm all about, you know what I'm saying, legacy. I want to be remembered as one of the toughest dudes to ever touch down in this city. I don't give a fuck how far I reach mainstream. But when you talk about Philadelphia, the MC capital of the world, when you talk about this place, when I go out, my mission is to force you to mention me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't mention this city in this era without mentioning me. You know what I'm saying? And th- and that's what I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by legendary. That's what I mean by Flashpoint. Like, I'm not fucking around no more. Flashpoint means that, like, I'm actually trying to get something out of this rather than just rapping just being complacent you know what i'm saying like just staying in the same spot like no i want something now and i'm going to get it and that's where legendary and flashpoint both come in Beautiful. So. so that is part of the legend of chris vance yes sir legend of bagger vance you already know what it is yes indeed, <laughs> yes, indeed. so before we get up out of here because um what are your Final thoughts that you want to share with everybody. Well, first of all, shout out to you, my Good man, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we've been rocking for a lot of years. You know what I'm saying? It's our first time actually, like, doing something together. So, like, right. definitely shout out to that. Won't be the last time you see us both in the same venue or same, you know, kind of Fricks. wave or vein. Um, real good guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you, I love bro. the podcast. Um, yeah, this is my first podcast I've ever done, honestly. So, yeah, I, like this is part of what Legendary Flashpoint is supposed to be about, doing different shit, you know what I'm saying, like reaching into spaces you've never been in before. Um, it's been a pleasure sitting and talking, you know what I'm saying, like this has been a conversation for us, you know what I'm saying, like, but um, yeah, man, like just, you know, just go check out that Legendary, the visual's out now. Um, we got Ice Cold coming up not too far off. That's the second single. Um, we have a bunch of people on the project. Uh, Alexander Charles, Mike Voss, 30 and Over League, Sky Zoo, Jetty 8 Track. You know what I'm saying? Like, even on Legendary, you got uh, the legendary DJ J Ski on that, providing the scratches on the end. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, man, like, I just want to put out something that's dope for the B Boys and the new generation and have a message where everybody can be like, you know what? That's dope. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, because at the beginning of the day, I do music for me, but at the end of the day, I just want people to take something from it. You know what I'm saying? Word up. Shout out to you, Chris Vance, my main man out here doing it. The album, when Flashpoint drops, I want everybody to go out there and check it out, support it. 
I'll be out this summer. You know, out the summer, perfect time for it. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to music in the city, summertime is like the best time for it. <sighs> summertime is the only time for it. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. I remember that's like when, um, like, I know it's like anti-Philly, but it's not. I swear to God. Like, when, remember when Drake did the diss against Meek, right? Mm-hmm. That became a summertime anthem because it was summertime and it was blasting out everybody's, everybody's car. That, that shit won a Grammy. Anytime you diss somebody and it wins a Grammy, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, nah, you gotta chalk it up. <laughs> you're in trouble. But shout out to Meek Mill, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Meek Mill. And like, let me be serious for a second. Um, he shouldn't be in prison right now. And I'm looking straight at my live feed. He should not be in prison right now. Um, Facts. Don't be confused. You can you can disagree with Meek or whatever he does in his spare time. You cannot like him. You can, you know, despise his guts. But what you can't do is say that he deserves to be in jail because ain't no fucking way a probation or probation violation got you in jail two to four when the prosecutor and the defense say you shouldn't go to jail. So fuck the system. Free Meek Mill. And that's what I'd say about shout out to Meek Mill. Philly all day, um, man. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be in jail at all. And if you feel like you have any kind of say or any kind of knowledge about the criminal justice system, then say free Meek Mill because that's some bullshit. Straight up. And that's coming from a criminal justice major. I got my degree. My shit's on my wall. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's some bullshit. Straight up. Free Meek Mill, man. Hopefully he gets out of here sooner and later, man. Because like, yo. For a brother who's out here just trying to provide for himself and his family, it's like, come on, man. He's not a criminal. He's not a threat. Like, he's not out here, like, really, like, robbing niggas or, like, shooting niggas like he talk about in his records. Like, he really just be out here moving city to city, you know what I'm saying, applying his craft, yep. putting on for his people, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there, there's nothing he's done that warranted a two to four sentence off a probation violation. Like, that's just abuse of the system. And that was a black woman judge that did that shit. Someone's, That's not cool. Someone's wild, weird shit with that case, man. But yo, talk about some do a song with boys to men, bitch. If you don't get the, fu- you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna get locked up. Let me just stop talking about it. <laughs> and on that note, and on that note, we, we, we conclude this episode of 1984 Fly Down Podcast. Shout out Mike Beyond. Appreciate Woo! you, man. Thank you, family. And we are out. Also, Fly Go. Shout out to Katrina. You know I'm seeing the back handling business. Wow. Uh-huh. Also, um, to the homie, um, hope you get well soon. You know what I mean? You're a good brother, man. Um, Philly needs you out here, dude. So, shout out to you. Mm-hmm. Get well soon and all that, bro. Peace and love. Shout out, bro. Get well soon, man. Word up. Done. Win.